Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Just the Sip. You know, this week, I'm bringing you not only a friend of mine, but somebody who has stood behind one of the most heard segments of business during the pandemic. That's restaurants. And this man is doing it all on Discovery Plus. Please welcome from Restaurant Recovery, Todd Graves, everybody. How are you? I'm great, Justin. This is something that's going to be really special to me for us being friends so long. And uh, actually, I'm a fan of your podcast and was thrilled that you asked me to come on. And uh, especially at this point, to, for, to promote something that's uh, really important for the public to know right now, support small business. You know, it's it's so crazy because a lot of times you look at somebody and you're like, oh, my God, you started a business because your dad gave you, you know, a million dollars and you've made it into something or you're Murdoch. But Raising Cane's actually started with one man and one idea. Yeah, I mean, it was a college uh, dream and then actually turned that into a college uh, business plan that got the, actually the worst grade in the class. Uh, <laughs> which Have you ever perfect. seen that professor? Have you ever seen that professor and been like, guess what, motherfucker? <laughs> you know, actually, he actually contacted me years later. He gets a big laugh out of it, you know, and uh, and actually said, hey, I'm the professor that gave you the worst grade. And uh, it was fun for him to uh, contact me again. And actually, it was only a B minus. He wasn't a very hard grader. He said ah. that the plan, he said the plan was written really well, said literally, you know, because I knew what like aprons would cost me, you know, I mean, like down yeah. to the details. I worked in the business, but he said, you know, look, concept serving just chicken fingers in South Louisiana, where we're known for our Cajun and Creole food is one, that concept doesn't work. And also you didn't study your industry because at that point, McDonald's and all these other quick service restaurants were adding so much variety. They're adding all these different things. They're adding salads. They're adding, they said, your industry is going the other way and yeah. you're going another way and you really didn't do your research. So I'm gonna give you a B minus, which later turned into folklore at LSU. It's legend that it was the teacher failed me and <laughs> created a competitor. It goes on and on. It's a goodwill hunting. Like you were the original goodwill hunting. And it's so funny because he's like, it's not going to work. But my college genes said otherwise, because I'm pretty sure I was at Raising Cane's. For th those of you who don't know what Raising Cane's is, it's like the South's in and out Burger. There's always a line. The always hot. And no matter how drunk you are, you will end up 
at Raisin Cane's. And <laughs> the one thing that everyone knows when you order Raisin Cane's and you're a professional, double fries, no slaw. That's just how I do it. See, I'm a no slaw, extra toast, extra sauce guy. You'll get Ray's got their thing, you know, but most people agree they don't get the slaw. The, the slaw. It's not their thing. Then why do you keep it on the menu? I'm just, I'm just wondering. I've always wanted to ask. It's so fun to trade it out. You know, it makes it good. It's kind of like a diss to slaw, right? And so for me, you know, I'm not a slaw person. The people that love it, they absolutely love it. And I like it in our meal because it adds a vegetable component, right? You got your protein, you got your starch, you yes. got the bread, you got your, your sauce group, and then you got your, uh, your vegetable, which is the slaw. But uh, I'm not a fan of coleslaw, so the not training a fan. makes it fun. <laughs> you know, we've been friends for 10 years and recently, this is probably about four years ago, I got a chance to, for the first time, visit the corporate headquarters of Raising Cane's. And I knew that you were the culture of Raising Cane's, but when you look at and you go to the restaurants and your customers are happy because the people behind the counters are happy and you go to the, the corporate office and people are walking around and it almost feels like, you know that documentary we work where everyone was pretending to be happy, but they weren't really happy, <laughs> but your, your people are actually excited to be there. Why was that important for you to set that culture up? And why is it important for people who are starting small businesses to set the culture up from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely essential. And I didn't even realize, Justin, at that first location that I reconstructed my own hands at the Northgate to LSU, that I was setting the culture for our company. That's we're almost 25 years now. It's still the exact same culture. Uh, I didn't know what culture meant. I, mean, I didn't take business classes in college. You know, I wasn't I wasn't a student of it, but I knew what I wanted things to be like. And since it was so hard for me to start the business, right, got the worst grade business yeah. learning class, turned down by the banks, had to go and earn my own money working in refineries. El Segundo in Torrance in California. I worked months in those refineries, commercial fish in Alaska, you name it. But it was so hard to start the business that I'm so grateful for that because it instilled me with a deep sense of appreciation for the crew members that I first hired. Yeah. That helped me with my dream, you know, from the customers that came out and supported me, community events that would say, hey, this person's working so hard. I only made $30 the first month, but that meant the world to me because I could pay my bills. I could pay my crew. We've been working. It's my dream. So anyway, so when I was in that restaurant, I was like, I love my crew. I care about you. So let's make it the best place to work. Let's play music in the kitchens. Let's have casual uniforms. What do you want your uniforms to look like? Let's have positive motivational management. I appreciate you. I say, hey, can you please go take that out to the dumpster? Not go take that out to the dumpster. Hey, you're, you're grilling some good toast. That bird looks awesome. Way to go on drive through. Those things never leave you because you have the appreciation. Every yeah. customer, I wanted to earn their money, right? I mean, I, I got every customer, yeah. I wanted to earn their money. I wanted to be happy when they left because like you're fueling my dream. And so that's never left. But it's so important to establish that because your start and what that culture you want as a company, those early years is going to define what your culture is ongoing, right? Yeah. And then you have to protect it because other people, as you grow, you'll have other people come in. They'll have different ideas of where they want to take the culture. That's why founders are important because you're sure we are, we are deeply rooted in appreciation. Our our culture is, and we're always going to remain that way because if you put people first, you're always going to win. For sure. What I also love, and I found this out recently because you have two kids. Yeah. You have a 17 year old son who is about to enter college. He's a junior in high school. And your wife told me that, you know, Charlie is about to start working at the restaurant. And I was like, (laughs) 
what do you mean? Don't you mean corporate? His dad is the owner of Raising Cane's. Like, let him work in the office. And she's like, no, everybody who works in that office actually has to work in a store before they even get that job. Yep. So I was like, no, no, no. So you're telling me that the CMO of the company had to fry some chicken. She yep. was like, ask Todd, it's true. Do you really make your employees work in the store before they come through to the corporate office? Absolutely. You know, in all of our titles, you know, my, my title is founder, chairman, CEO, fry cook, cashier. We're all fry oh. cook cashiers. So you said CMO. <laughs> the CMO no. comes in, Raising Cane's CMO, fry cook, cashier. Every accountant, fry cook, cashier. Because it's important for people to know and have the empathy for the people in our restaurants, right? A lot yeah. of companies screw up because they'll have corporate, then they'll have their field operations, right? And there's two different worlds, two different cultures, and they don't support each other. That's why you can see some disconnect in my industry, especially quick service restaurants to where yeah. corporate will be saying one thing, but then you go through their restaurants and you don't see that, you know, you yes. might not be treated friendly. You don't have quality food. You don't have all these things they talk about in the boardroom because they're not connected. Us, we're connected. Our business, and like when we meet with our teams, we're talking about what's going on in the restaurants. And so I just hired a new CMO and it's going to be a four month onboarding, but they're going to go through full restaurant training and then immersion in the field. Or That's doing crazy. So that CMO knows what's going on in those restaurants, has empathy. So there's no crazy things that would be too hard on the crew, right? Because that person's been a crew member. The CMO's like, look, we can't possibly do that. Here's another way to do this, but we can't do that to our crew, right? Or here's to help yeah. support what we're doing and all that one vision. So yeah, it's a, it's a very important component. It's mind blowing because I'm not gonna lie. If I was like, I just went through eight years of college. I've been working at Google or Amazon for 10 years, and you're going to make me come to your company and work my ass at a fry cook. But I get it. You have to know what people are dealing with on a daily basis in order to help them make the customer's experience right. remarkable. Right. And what I also love about you too, is that you're ready to help anybody who believes in themselves. Absolutely. And with this new Discovery Plus show, I just want to start off by saying this wasn't even a thought. You were just going around helping small businesses out. Yeah. And why did you want to make it a show? Well, you know, so when the pandemic hit, Raising Cane's actually did better. And, you know, I've talked about this. You know, it's like we did better in our drive throughs because we have a drive through. We, we went up 10 percent in sales, up 10 to 20 percent. And, you know, they didn't feel so good because you know where that extra business is coming from. It's these independent, family-owned, inline restaurants you know, with no drive through predominantly dining yeah. business. And I was watching them suffer and a lot of them close and love restaurants. What I love is these independent restaurants. They, you know, these restaurants have a soul. They have so much character. I know how hard it is to start a business. Then I know how hard it is to keep open. And when I was watching these things happen, we did, you know, I went on social media talking about support small business. Us chains are fine. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. But then, you know, and buying gift cards, do anything I could do to do it. But then I've had experience with television and I uh, know the power of it. And I'm like, you know, a show, showcasing what these small business owners, these restaurant owners go through as independents. I think ultimately it, it really is helping them that the show is out those individual restaurants because they're getting to know, they're getting that exposure. But more importantly, people are watching that and they're thinking more about supporting just small business in general. For sure. And it's, it's so crazy because you watch the show and you forget that behind every business, big or small, there's a story. Yeah. So I'm sitting here watching episodes and I'm crying. And, you know, for this person to get that, you know, it's hard for Americans to ask for help. I feel yeah. like you're right. Especially Absolutely. when you're a proud business mm -hmm. owner, it's hard for somebody to come to as an adult, I'm going to come to you and say, look, 
I'm down and out. How do you eliminate that shame for the next person if you're a business owner and you see somebody else struggling? Yeah, you know, that's a that's an excellent question because this is what we we got from everybody. Like you said, very proud restaurant owners and and a lot of them third generation. These restaurants have been in their family for a hundred years, and wow. but they needed help. Okay, and so this the preface of restaurant recovery, which is great, is is that I'm not going in to tell them what they're doing wrong. Right, it's just not my personality. Right, some of these yeah. restaurant shows are like you're screwing up this, you're doing this, you're terrible, you know, stupid, bop, 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 and I'm gonna fix you and I'm the savior. Ours was about a situation in time that nobody could have prepared for. None of these restaurant owners could have prepared for a pandemic and literally restrictions and you can't have customers and then you can only have this many customers. So what happens is restaurants don't make much money. They really don't. Small margins, right? And so there's not like you have all this nest egg of money. When the pandemic hits and your sales go to almost zero and they're trying to keep their people employed and they're- That's the hard part. Drain their savings, credit card debt. They can't think of the things that Todd and his team, like I got 35,000 crew members, right? Like, and I got a huge corporate office with 500 just minds. When we're okay, it's like we can be that extra yeah. thought for them. And we were able to do things for them that, that are hard to do. Look, let's just say most of the time I took them from a predominantly a dine-in establishment, right? They had very little takeout. And I had to make them into to-go machines, right? It sounds easy, right? But all the technology involved to do it right. Curbside takeout, right? We use swipe, yeah. we use the technology platforms, mobile ordering, which takes a lot of technology to be able to do this, setting it up on their websites, the to-go areas. That takes a team of IT specialists. My people have done that, right? So it's like yeah. zip, 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 uh, get these things done. And they executed brill- brilliantly. And of all these restaurants that we worked with, they're doing better now coming out of the pandemic because they not only have their dining business coming back, they also have that to go that's helping them get through and going to be better than ever. I need you to do a masterclass. <laughs> because I think, you know what I think too? I think a lot of people are very afraid to take that next step into becoming the next mom and pop and becoming, you know, a, the next success. There's this fear that you need all this money and you, you, if the bank doesn't believe in it, that you can't really do it. But is that necessarily it? Like if I'm a guy who's trying to smart, start a small business. Do I need a bank behind me to help me? No, you don't. I mean, it, 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 I see, and I saw this at a young age, okay? And so I was like the geek in the entrepreneurial, entrepreneur club in college, right? I yes. like, and there was a bunch of us in there that just, we were the kids that did the lemonade stand in the neighborhoods, right? So yeah. Yeah, everybody's little businesses are like, look, I, I bought a steam cleaner and I'm doing carpets and this is, oh, hey, here's a good idea. I'm gonna put out flyers for you over here. I mean, like, but it was thought, right? For people in college yeah. doing these things and doing. But I saw at a young age, so many entrepreneurs that had good ideas, right? But they yeah. quit along the way somewhere because it's so, so hard to start a business. It's so hard, right, that people end up quitting, right? And what the world could have been if they didn't quit at some point and they kept going. So what I try to tell like business classes, you know, I go to campus and do these things. Yeah. I try to say, hey, look, imagine your business. Obviously, it has to be a good concept. It has to be things that, that would work business wise. But if you work hard and you never give up, you'll be able to open it and you will be successful if you continue to work hard and, and care about people, Right. But I say, just imagine how hard it is to start a business that you think in your head already, you can think of that, then multiply that by infinity. And if you still want to do it, you'll be a success. If you don't, you might quit along the way. And so it's that commitment 
I said, I've never, ever, ever, ever give up. I would never give up until I started canes. Right. And so that's why yeah. commercial fishing in Alaska through the danger of it and all and working as a buller maker. And I even have friends going like, you know, two years doing this crazy stuff. They're like, my God, Todd, why don't you just take a break, man, go work yeah. at a restaurant and come back 10 years later. I'm like, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. And if, and look, if I did, I would have probably gotten into something else and the world will never seen raising canes and which would be sad. I would have never gained the 30 pounds. I would exactly. have never gained the 30 pounds. Okay? You would not I, have gained the 30 pounds. <laughs> I would have not have gained the 30 pounds. So, yeah, but on this show, which I love, and if you guys don't have Discovery Plus, it's time to get it. I'm not gonna lie, I fought it tooth and nail. I didn't wanna get it. And then I saw the trailer to the show and I was like, I gotta do it. And there's a trial period so you can go and get seven days if you don't wanna keep it. But there's these amazing celebrities that are like introducing you to their hometown mom and pops that they wanna save. And you guys are coming through together. Snoop Dogg was on one episode. Who else do you have on this show with you? Oh, Snoop and Shaq and Rob Snyder, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, even like in, in uh, Houston doing La Mafia, they're a wonderful Hispanic band. has been won so many Grammys. I even called them. But look, the, the common thing with all these people that I called, and all these people were my friends. I have had met some really incredible people on my chicken finger journey in life. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, talk you know, about the Calabasas of it all. <laughs> but I, you know, these were easy ask. I literally uh, made made the calls, told them the people's stories in their communities, right? And then it was immediate, yes, yes, told them their story. Yes, I want to come help out. Shaq even flew in from Atlanta to Baton Rouge to do this. Think about that. He flew in town to do, do the Baton he flew Rouge. Himself. He flew himself. And that's the thing. We sometimes look at celebrities and we're just afraid to ask them for things when if the ask means helping somebody else most yeah. of the time you probably got a yes 99 percent of the time that's exactly right everybody was willing to help because they knew how, how bad it was and then they knew what they could do for these folks and it was fun to having the kind of celebrity because imagine you know snoop dogg driving up to chili john's in burbank you know to launch their outdoor car stop how uh, car stop uh style uh, driving I did for them, but this family's been through so much. I mean, like literally racking up credit card debt, not sleeping at night, worried how they're gonna support their daughters. But Snoop wow. Dogg comes and in, into your deal, right? I mean, they're just like winning their sales. They're like they're fired up to go the next day. I thought it was great, but like they also gave great business advice. You know, Shot gave me some really good advice here in Baton Rouge. He and I've talked entrepreneurship for 20 years. You know, he's a real good entrepreneur, yeah. real smart at business. So he was out able to really help me with that. And look at all of them afterwards, post on their social media to help and um, help the restaurants and give them exposure. So that was a really great experience. It's even more nuts that I remember you filming the show and then you were like, I don't know if anybody's going to pick it up, but, you know, we'll put we'll let it live somewhere because we just want to share that experience. And Discovery Plus snatched it as one of their like headline shows for the launch of their brand new situation. Do you know how hard it is to get a show on the air? I just, I, I, and I tried to explain this to him. I was like, you know how hard it is to get a show on the air, but you got Discovery Plus to come through. You could have taken this anywhere. Why did you choose Discovery Plus as the home? Well, they were just real, really interested in the message, right? And they were, they, they really knew that how serious COVID was. They thought this would be an interesting platform. I mean, Discovery does obviously a lot of character driven, driven shows, right. You know, host. Yeah. Uh, and they like the, the, the genuineness of 
that I came from the industry and I'm not a pro at this. Right. And so it's just, I knew it could help restaurants. And so, uh, man, they, they got interested early on through, you know, food network and discovery plus, And they were like, which is really exciting. They're like, we're going to launch discovery plus, And we want you to be one of the headliners on that for it. And I was grateful. I really wanted many people to see this and the streaming's great because we got 10 great episodes and it's great for binge watching as well. You know, so awesome. people come on and have a cry for, you know, several hours watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's so funny because I just like, I'm stuck. I'm hooked on this thing. Simultaneously, when Discovery Plus was bringing these stories to the forefront, you became like the TikTok man. This <laughs> Raising Cane truck became, I was looking on Instagram and Travis Scott had put it on his Instagram. The next day, Kylie had had it at her house. You know, it's running Olivia Pearson. All of these people are dying for this truck. And I'm like, I've been doing this motherfucker for 11 years. Where the hell is my truck? <laughs> <laughs> is it crazy to you that you know that these people get paid half a million, sometimes a million dollars per post, and they are calling you for that Razor Cane's truck? How crazy yeah. is that? Yeah, it's crazy. Especially in Southern, like Canes has raving fans all over the country, right? We're in 30 states. We call them yeah. Caniacs. You're you're one of the original Caniacs, Justin. One of the originals. But Cal Southern California is so crazy about Canes. And that's really special to me because what fueled Canes being able to open was that me working refineries in LA, El Segundo, Torrance. And I fell in love with LA Years ago, I love the diversity and I, I love the people and I love the and that's where those buller makers I worked with. I was a buller maker. Yeah. They're so encouraging. And back then, you know, it was back then I used to go anytime I have a little time off, which wasn't much. We'd go out and sunset. And this is back when Viper rooms kicking and all those people. And I just had this love for sunset and everything else. So I just couldn't wait for somebody to open up in L.A. And so because in and out Burger was one of the models. It's like people are like, you can't just offer just that. I'm like, in and out Burger's been doing it since 1948. 100%. Working out well for them, right? And so I think people resonate with that. And look, everybody's so nuts about it in Southern California. We're like, look, we need to make some food trucks because we're working our way up. Everybody kept saying, when are you hitting? When are you coming to LA? When are you hitting Hollywood? When are you hitting these areas? I'm like, we're working our way up. This takes time to get real estate, right? And we said, you know what? Let's make a truck. Uh, let's, let's actually make two food trucks. One's just going to be just in LA so I can send it out. Like I said to my friends and, and you know, all these celebrity friends, they, they would like the truck. And I, look, no one ever pays for the truck. I send the truck over. I pay for it. You send it. And I don't even ask for a post, but everybody posts with it. And so the exposure that is, so, I'm so grateful for it, right? It's just amazing yeah. exposure, but it's a cool thing. It's like, hey, I'm going to take care of you. If you need it for this, we'll send the truck over. It's from me. And uh, we just had it in Nashville, you know, the other truck. And it was crazy, all these country music stars. Same so thing. It's nuts. like, can you bring the truck by here? Can you bring it by here? I was just Billy <laughs> Gibbons from ZZ Top. And he's telling me how he goes, drives down to location in Vegas. It's, it's just crazy. It's, it's hard for me to believe, but all these famous people, they absolutely love Canes and they help promote it. It's wonderful. And I think they amazing. know that I give back and that's the ultimate thing I'm doing and why I keep building. So all, all the things I make, most of it's all going to go back to helping people. So maybe, maybe that's why they feel good about doing it. I don't know. I think your energy is very obvious and very apparent in the product. They know what product they're getting because you are the prime example of that product. And you said something really interesting and it, it's giving back. And I'm taking this as a masterclass in business because I know a lot of people out there want to be their own entrepreneur and they don't know how. But I think what's important to me when I learned about you, even in college, was that you have like a motto that every place you build 
a Raising Cane's, you will give something back to the community. Uh -huh. So if you see a Raising Cane's in your city, there's probably a park or a place where you can, where you can go and bring your kids. Why was that important and how did that start? Yeah, it, just going back to, you know, you always ask me these questions about culture. It's that, that deeply rooted in appreciation, right? And so the communities came out to support me. Like, look, man, when I opened up at LSU, the band, the, like, might have a little bit of money that they can go do lunch once a month. Well, they came to Canes because they knew I was working hard and I needed the sales, right? Like little church, wow. group, the faith-based, the fraternity, sororities, you name it, key club, whatever. They all came to support me. So I'm like ingrained for the appreciation, right? And so... That's never left me. And then now, look, you know, be honest with you, man. I mean, I think God made me good at this, made me good at chicken fingers to be able to help people. Right. You know, so none of these are financial goals for me in the future. None of these, all this comes back to is just scale. Look, I'm turning 50 next year. Right. Kane's is turning. Ooh, okay. We're turning that birthday 50. party. That birthday party better be lit. <laughs> but no, but look, here's the deal is that we look for Gwen's birthday. Uh, you know, doing Nelly. I mean, look, that was epic, right? I get to do amazing things. So I'm like, they, what do you want to do? Well, I'm turning 50. I want to give 50 million back to the communities we do business in. Like, I want to go back and do that. And Kane's 25. I want to do 25 million. And I'm not throwing out these numbers like, oh, here's this money guy. I'm throwing them out because to you. the scale, like, like to me, is exciting. And if we continue to grow, you know, and I'm 100, I can say, hey, 100 million you know, this year. Yeah. I, you know, you know what I mean? And so yeah. that's, that's just important to do that. We've been up to this point, 25% of everything we've done has gone back in the communities we do business in, right? Yeah. So I, but I own the company and like these are company locations. I'm not a franchise or we have very few franchise locations. So as that value increases, it gets to where I can take that and really, really help people in a big way. So that's just exciting for me. And it's, and it's a privilege to be able to do that. That's a lot of money. I know, man. Isn't it? It, it must be hard. It must be hard. It must be hard <laughs> to give away 25% of that gross income. <laughs> no, it's my purpose, man. You know, and giving, you get so much more back. People say it, but it's so true. Whenever you give, you get back so much more in return. It's, it's so true. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Another thing that I think, and I got this question from a friend of mine, Actually, this weekend, because Todd mentioned Gwen and Gwen is my best friend and Gwen happens to be one of the most grounded people you will ever meet in your life. And she has raised with Todd two of the most grounded children you'd ever meet. By the way, if my dad was a chicken fingers Jesus, I would excuse my language. I would be the least humble person in the world. I would ride around in a raising canes, red Mercedes Benz GL sixty five ninety nine, and let everybody know. But you guys have been together for twenty one years. How do you cultivate a marriage like that while prioritizing a business? Because I think a lot of people have a lot of issues really giving their time to both. You know, some people say, I can't be good at both, but you yeah. found a way to be good at all three. Yeah, in real fortune, because she's just a wonderful person, right? And so uh, maybe God sent her to me knowing that I wanted to help people and I needed that kind of support. But looking back, 
when we made the decision, so Gwen came from the business, you know that she was McDonald's. Uh, yeah. We grew up in the business since she was 13, flipping burgers, which helped when uh, when we first started dating and made for some very interesting conversation. Like, you know, how do you salt your fries properly? And, you know, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you work dry? How do you get your drive throughs faster? You know, that was our conversations. But when she, she loved her business, like after both of our children were born, you know, 45 minutes later, she's like, you hang on my phone. You know, she's like checking in with the restaurants. I mean, she was, she was really a badass at operating a restaurant. But as we went along and Kane's got so busy and I started growing and traveling, she said, you know, I think Charlie was like two at this point. She said, Hey, I'm thinking about selling because our kids are going to need some kind of semblance with you. I know what's coming down the pipe. And I said, well, do you love this business? She said, I know. I said, well, let's talk about it. And so we talked about what we could do ultimately our goals and then what we wanted for our family's goals. And then what we wanted to be do for people. And we saw Kane's as being that format. And she's like, you know, I want our kids to be proud of the things that we do and put behind, Yeah. you know, and, and so we're going to work and you're a hard worker. And, and, you know, she's like, so am I. And so us making that decision together and that yeah. kind of knowing what we were getting into uh, and making sure we constantly checked in on that because man, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, it has been so yeah. much work and travel and everything, but she always supports me. And she's like, I'll take care of the kids more. I'll do this philanthropic view. I'll help you on these things is I'll manage the home front. You keep going to raising canes because ultimately it's about us being proud as a family about what we can do for people. For people to know, like the scale of you're 25 years in, you have almost 600 stores. Mm -hmm. They're corporate owned, which means there's yeah. not that many franchised ones out there. Trust me, I'm trying to get a franchise right now. <laughs> um, and it's so interesting because I feel like a lot of times, especially when men are in business, there's not a conversation. It's a, well, my business is going to be bigger than yours. So you should just support me. How important is it for you as a couple to have that conversation? Like how many times do you check in before you get to the next level? Because I'm sure from one store to a hundred stores, there was a conversation from a hundred stores to 400 stores. There's a conversation. So for people out there, how many times or when do you know when there's that time to check in? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's just it's constant communication. Right. And so, you know, we have our five year plans, right, for Canes and yeah. we have and we update them every year. So it's revolving and we know what's coming down the pipe. So look, major decisions. Right. Like when we went to the Middle East. It was going to require a lot of time for me to fly. It's halfway across the world. Right. And I needed to be yeah. there to help them because I committed to making them work well. And so we know it. Hey. Middle East opportunity, da da da. You know, during that time, I have to travel a lot. She's like, I'm behind it. So then she's behind it, right? But we have those yeah. discussions constantly about what we're doing, how we do it. Also, it's nice when they're off during the summers because kids just basically come and do. They we all it's do a, work. It's a traveling circus, there, right? It's a traveling circus. You guys <laughs> run a traveling circus with the kids because if Todd's going to the Middle East or going to India, Sophia's probably going to. Or Charlie's going here. Um, right, right. But that constant check-in is work for us. It really has. That is unreal. And it's... Justin, I think, too, don't let me interrupt you, but I think oh, also no. is, is respecting the other one, even if you have a little less time than others, but respecting what the other one needs. Like, she loves her her girl trips and her trips with Justin, right? Yeah, so, yeah we do. So there's never a, hey, are you good with me going? It's always just a coordination. Same with me with the guys, right? I just went to Miami 
uh, last week. And then I had to go to Nashville to work. Mooch Charlie flew up to, to to come with me there. But like, she's like, go with the guys. I'm like, you go, you go to have your fun. And so I guess for that too is, is always like always more of a giving, you know what I mean? Yeah. It might be like, Hey, I've been traveling for work. I haven't seen you and I really don't want her to go. I'm never going to say that she needs to go on her trip. I'll see her when she gets back. And that's paid off a lot as well. I love when you travel because most of the times that's when I can talk her into like something else. Like if you're like, Oh, Todd's going to take the kids on a trip. I'm like, great, let's do it. I'll bring the wine. We can run around. Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, we've never had someone, a businessman of this caliber on this podcast. So I'm trying to extract all the juice I can from you. And I know at times when you're building a dream, you might miss out on a baseball game or two, or you might miss a parent teacher conference. How do you rectify that guilt yeah. like in your head and in your heart? Yeah. You know that I'd have to say that was throughout my journey. Right. And my kids are, you know, you know, now or they're 17 and 19 yeah. was missing and uh, missing a lot of stuff. And so like when people ask me about starting a business and doing, you know, I, and they say, what about life balance? I'm like, really? I mean, you prepare, should prepare yourself. If you're starting a business, you're not going to have a lot of it. And like, just yeah. know it. And if that's not good for you, then it's probably, you don't want to be an entrepreneur. Right. But yeah. then you get yourself established. You work until you get something going and then you have good balance. Right. So let's say you open one place. You get that established, then you can have balance. But when you want to grow, it starts all over again, right? Yeah. And you're going to be there. And then through growth, when you're constantly growing in the trajectory, I've been one of the fastest growing restaurant concepts in the world, like literally since I started growing. And it just takes sacrifices. So I think what I did was I had, you know, a great partner in life. And she was like, I will be at all those those baseball games. Yeah. I will be at every parent teacher conference. And I said, I'm going to make half of them. You know what I mean? And so I did yeah. I got to be there and I was present. And then, then I would do stuff with kids and she'd go and have fun and do those things. So you just knowing that sacrifice, but the way I got over the guilt and everything about it is, is because if I wasn't doing this for myself, I was doing this for people. Okay. So yes. financial goals were met so long ago. And I don't mean that in a way I just was very fortunate through hard work yeah. and doing well, but it's like, it wasn't like, okay, now I want to do this, 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 that it's like, I'm there. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't need a lot. And yeah. so it's growing to what I can do to help people. So the kids understand that we start talking to them at a younger age about this is, this is why daddy's back. gone yeah. and we're giving back and doing these things. So I can tell you, but now I'm kind of at the point now we're going to, we're going to, by the grace of God, be able to open about a hundred restaurants a year. And I have a That's team, crazy. I have a team that's so much better than me. I still work like crazy, but my balance <laughs> is way better because I finally have the people, they're all smarter and, and anyway, so I have good balance now, even with this, this crazy growth. But it's also interesting, and I'm happy you pointed this out, you set a realistic goal for yourself. Mm -hmm. Even if it was under, like half the things, that's a realistic goal yep. for somebody and something that you could meet. And I think that's really important, either in business, in relationships, in parenting. If you set a realistic goal, you won't let yourself down. You're right. Some people go half, but I'm like, it's a realistic goal. And I, and, and I met it and I was there, you know? Yeah. Let's get real. Cause we never talk money. We never talk money on this podcast. We never talk money in our friend group. Like we just don't do it. But 
I got to ask you, I'm sure there were times where somebody came from the Middle East or some other company was like, bro, we will give you the Brinks truck behind us. We will give you all the money in the world in order for you to do whatever you want. You can open 12 children's hospitals tomorrow with the amount of money that we're about to give you. If you just sell us that name and that concept, why haven't you taken it? Because I'm letting you know right now, if at 49 and some change, I could have retired. I would have sat my fat black ass down and ate all the chicken I could have eaten. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, and I don't believe that, Justin. I don't believe that <laughs> for a second the way you've been. And I've been watching you grow. And we'll get, I want to get in that next. But just to answer your question is nobody's going to take care of my people like I'm going to take care of them, right? So in every one of our restaurants, I have a restaurant partner. She, he, you know, whoever's in there is the Todd Graves and Gwen Graves with their partner and their trade area they do. And they came on because they know I care about them. I'm the fry yeah. cashier. And what happens, some of these great founders, they end up selling to private equity. And some of the private equity groups are good. And they they take care of the people. Some of them are terrible. And they all they care about is, is making money. And then the people end up having a terrible life. All my restaurant partners' lives are just as important as mine. You know, their dreams, their everything. And so I, I just don't think anybody's going to take care of them like I can. And I think, God willing, we grow the way we grow that it won't be 12 children's hospitals. It'll be hundreds of children's hospitals. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I can continue to go. And so I think I'm the best one to lead this with my team to grow it to its potential. And I just think that's what God told me to do, to be honest with you, man. So it's just those building and doing. I think it's my purpose. And so hopefully I can live a long life and grow old with it. And Oh, I, I will will you, you know? into the opening. I will will you into the opening like nobody's business in 40 years and just give you that scissor and let you cut it. Because I know... I know you're that type of person that won't be able to stop. Even yeah. when you retire, you're going to be at every store that you can be at on that day because that's how you operate. Build and grow and do. Look, man, it's just like you, right? So I, I saw you. have known you over a decade, right? And I've watched let's you. Start, let's start from the beginning. Let's start from the beginning, actually, because this is an interesting story. Do you remember how we met? No. Let no, me tell I'm you. Sure it come back to me. I don't remember the first time. It was all kind of a blur. Let me tell you how we met. So when I was growing up, I went to LSU my freshman year of college and I stayed there for four years and I used to ride my bike from my house and I would ride on the lakes and I would see this house all the time. And it had like a three story LSU flag on it. And I would look at that house and I would say, God, one day I want to be rich enough to live in that house. I love that house. It was Spanish. It was on the lake. It was beautiful. It was crazy. My junior year in high school, Mike in college, sorry, one of my friends, his name was Ryan LaRouge, asked me one night, hey, do you mind picking me up at my boss's house? I'm going to bring them to the football game and I'm going to drop the car home because they don't want to drink and drive. And I'm like, cool, I'll, I'll pick you up. He invites me into the house and I'm like, oh my God, it's my dream house. I've always wanted to live in this house. And he's like, oh, this guy, Todd Gray's Gwen, they live in here. It's amazing. Da, da, da. It was amazing. It was phenomenal. But it was weird that, like, you know, God put me in that place for uh -huh. me to see it. I moved to Los Angeles a year within coming into town. I run into another friend of mine who just so happened to be working for you guys. I saw at the Bulldog. You guys come in. She introduces me very quickly. We're all like, it's, it's a football game, Friday night, LSU. Like, it's crazy. So we say hi, and we just kind of, we kind of miss each other. This is at the Bulldog. This was at the Bulldog. This okay. is 2008. The following year, you came to Los Angeles for a meeting. You brought Gwen. 
Ryan LaRouge was like, you should call my friend Justin Sylvester. I don't know if you guys have ever met, but you guys should call. And Gwen's not the type to like reach out to like a no. random. No, She's no, no. like, she will sit at the pool by herself and she will have a cocktail. I ended up meeting Gwen. We ended up falling in love at that first meeting. I ended up having dinner with you guys that night. I remember that. And then I ended up piecing it all together. One, I fell in love with that house. Two, I fell in love with you guys. But it was so crazy because every time that I got something big, the first time I got my first audition at E, I was at your house. When I found out that I got Daily Pop, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Keep in mind, I'm still living in Los Angeles at this point. I was at your house randomly. And when I found out that I sold to Peacock, I was at your damn house again. I know, crazy, right? So for 11 years, you, your family, myself, mine, it might be longer than that, even 12. We have been on this kind of journey together. And I just strung it together probably about six months ago that every step of my career, I have been with you guys and you guys have been there for me and vice versa. It's just been like the craziest ride ever. I know. I know. It's really special to me because I get inspired by people, right? In all walks of life, in all different mediums, right? I don't know anything about entertainment, right? But I yeah. knew what you wanted to do and I knew your goals, right? And I saw you yeah. hustle it, you know, in Beverly Hills after we had met. That's so funny. I don't remember the uh, the the Bulldog night or even Crazy. the Ryan night. But I remember L.A. I remember L.A. night and I really I liked your attitude. So and I liked it. I got to hear from you that first night about what you wanted to do, you know, and you're like this. And I want to be in entertainment and doing and I'm like, what are you doing now? Well, I'm taking care of these people and doing and I'm meeting new and more interesting people and keep working. And what you did, you just went chop, chop, chop over the years. Right. You never gave yeah. up. And that's that's an entrepreneur. That's what entrepreneur does. Never gives up. Right. Yeah. No matter what, never, ever, ever gives up ever. And you kept building and doing. And then E came along and then the book sales, all those things kept going. And I just can't wait to keep watching you go because that's inspiring to me. Right. You know, like work gets hard and the grind yeah. happens with any. It doesn't matter how much you love it, whatever. There are the days you're just like, get your ass kicked oh, and you're just wiped stress. out. And you're like, that deal. But you want to know your close friends and people you look up to are doing the same thing, right? You have that common, common deal. And I think that's why Gwen and I resonate so much with you and your friends and enjoy seeing all of them. It's always positive because everybody's working yeah. so hard for their dreams and are supportive with each other. And people are building things, creating. And yes. you don't talk about the people. I can get around some other people that aren't building or creating. And then they want to talk about everybody else's business. They want to say, hey, have you heard so-and-so and so, this, that, and the other? I'm like, don't really care about that. You yeah. know, I hear what's going on. So it's fun watching that. And seeing how you've gone. And like I said, it just keeps inspiring me, you know, and I can't wait to see what you can do in the future. So when you say you'd sell out Kazu do all stuff, you're not, you're going to constantly <laughs> be building, growing, creating. You'll never be satisfied. You'll always be growing. A friend of mine made me understand this about you. And I didn't really get it until Outsider told me. We were sitting at a dinner one night and we went to a dinner and I knew a, a waiter at a restaurant who was starting his own food company. And, you know, he was talking to you and you were telling him things and you were asking him things. And later he came up to me days later and he was like, that guy's really interesting. It, he was talking to me like we were on the same level. Yeah, and I said, you know, what's really interesting is, yeah, that's how he talks to everybody. But when you talk to him about a business and he feels that passion coming from you, no matter what it is, you can say, I want to be the greatest stripper in the world. And I'm going to start this line and I'm that line. And I'm going to have pole sanitizing. He'll be like, great. What are you, what are you, what are you going to start with? How are you going to get the money? Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, 
if an Eskimo said, I want to start an ice business and gave you like the pitch of the lifetime, you would talk to them as if you were sitting next to Warren Buffett. And that's what I really appreciate about you. Well, and you don't even realize it. No, of course. Of course. Look, we're all like people will say, hey, uh, Todd, you're self-made guy, right? I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, I'm a guy that worked hard, but I had so many mentors and people that helped me along the way that helped build the person that I am, right? We're a collection of all those things, right? So, you know, I had incredible mentors that helped me. So it's paying it forward. And all these people are paying it forward too. That's what we should just do as humans, man. It doesn't matter. You know, if you think you made it, it's time to be shown the door, right? Yeah. We're all, we're all and everybody's important. And to me, everybody's dreams important. The stripper analogy, that was pretty funny. Like I never thought about <laughs> that way. But look, that's just what people should do for each other, man. If, if people help their neighbor, right? And literally said, if you thought I need to help my neighbor, and you literally think I need to leave earth in a better place. If everybody had that thought, then it does. That's all it takes yeah. to make to make these other things go away that should be fixed, right? And and that's what I feel like the show on Discovery Plus is about. It's about helping your neighbor. And because a lot of times people don't remember when they were in the gutter mm -hmm. and people didn't, you know, reach out a hand. And the one person that did say, hey, let me help you up because I know you're hurting at this moment. You'll never forget that moment. And you'll right. never forget that feeling. And when you get a chance to do it and give that hand to somebody else, whether you're rich or not, you will feel that again. You will feel that feeling of being loved and someone seeing you because that's all people really want. Absolutely. You know, when I help these restaurants and go in and they're like, I, I can never repay you. I can never pay you for all this. It's like, yeah, you already have. You've already taken care. Yeah. You've already racked up your credit card debt at 18 to 22%, keeping your people employed. Are you kidding me? You know, you, yeah. you're already helping. Chef Natalie in um, Vegas, she has a restaurant called Eat. She's an amazing woman. She ended up, um, and I don't know if you saw that episode, but she ended up going through drug and alcohol abuse. She got herself straight. And then yes. she, wanted, she wanted to be, she wanted to be an example in her neighborhood, not she was a great chef, so she could be in all the, the, the glitz and glamour of uh, Vegas. But she's like, Vegas. I want to be in the neighborhood down here. I want to employ at-risk youth, and I want to do these things. So she helps out all this community stuff. I had these other young ladies come in to look up to her. This real diverse group that just love her. And at the end of the show, she's crying, saying, "I never pay you." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Look what you do for these kids every day. This is we're paying for. This is something for you because I'm in a good position." All these same restaurateurs would do all they could to help me if I was in the same situation. And who knows? I might need help something else. We all do at times, right? For sure. No, no. You have to believe that your neighbor will be there for you. But I feel like as a society, now yeah. we're going to get deep. As a society, we're only looking out for ourselves, which I find crazy yeah. that especially after a pandemic, after knowing what it feels like to be alone and lonely, that we don't, and I hope that I'm wrong, that we don't want to help other people more. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Me too. And that actually makes me feel sorry for people because if you live a life to satisfy yourself and that's what you're about, it's a shallow existence. And people generally find that out too late, right? Yes. They find, they find that out way too late. And then they have to put the pieces back together in later in life. But people that learn early that giving in giving, you get more back in return. And that in being kind to people, be kind, be kind, be kind, you feel better about yourself. And then you do better in the things that you do. You have more confidence. You're more easy with yourself. You love yourself more when you're kind to everybody, or even kind to the mean people. You know what I mean? Just yeah. As hard as that is, be kind, be kind, be kind.
And then you all of a sudden your self-confidence goes through the roof, man. You you do better yourself in anything you do. Giving and being kind, you have a more fulfilled life and then you're more successful. And uh, all those kind of things fall in place. But, but sometimes I just want to be a bitch. Sometimes I just want to be a bitch. Well, me too. <laughs> we all do. I mean, come on. <laughs> sometimes, and it's hard because I know, I know, and we, we share this all the time. Like, you know, people think, you know, it's on Twitter for me, on Instagram, you know, people think, oh my God, you're on TV. You know, you must be so, you know, you're rich and da, 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 da. And this must've been so easy, but I'm from a small town called Broadbridge, Louisiana. No one really got on a flight in my family. No one went past Houston or New Orleans to the East. So I didn't have really a model to say, okay, uh-huh. this is how you get out of this small town. And this is how I go from making my mother making $30,000 a year. This is how I don't, you know, become you know, not become because I'm proud of who my mother is. I just know she wanted better for me, but there was no one to guide me that way. And I, as well as you went out and you worked and you found the money and you stuck with your plan and you didn't turn around when the going was getting hard. So for that, I'm grateful that I have somebody to talk to and say, you know, I didn't give up because you didn't give up. You know, I look at you and I, and I know it wasn't always easy. I know it wasn't easy to, to grow this by yourself. No, no, absolutely. Just it's just that I think just anybody looking for advice and starting it, it's either starting a business, going for a career, or you want to be the best teacher, you want to be the best uh, welder, whatever it is in Louisiana, and you want to be the best pastor, you want to be whatever you go into is is that you have to have vision about what you want to do, right? And uh-huh. vision is something other people can't see, right? My vision was I want to have this chicken finger restaurant, and then set the vision tone for my company. So I'll take it back into business. I set. After I opened that location in Lafayette, I set the I set the vision of the company that I wanted to someday have locations all over the world and be known as the brand for quality chicken finger meals, great crew, cool culture, and active community involvement. Now that has guided every decision I have done since our ninth location. And mm-hmm. but it's but it's a vision statement. But it's not only like all over the world. But what do we mean known as down to the active community involvement from the charitable component? How I give briefs in our company about how our performance is. I give it off those steps. Great crew. Hey, we're doing good. We hired us people. We're, 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 we're we promoted internally this cool culture. Hey, we're doing a pretty good job. But over here, we're slipping because I looked at the, the, the crew member, you know, uh, surveys that went out. Yeah. It looks like we're not appreciating the way we have last quarter. But anyway, that's vision, right? So you set a vision statement yeah. and you go for it. But then it's relentless hard work and care. And when you care, it's twice as hard. I mean, when you literally care about everybody and everything and take it personal, then it then it takes a lot. It's 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 harder to do it that way. But that's how you achieve excellence. And then you can define your success. But what's most important for people going what they're doing is just knowing how much hard work. And that's what I brought up earlier is your thing when you went through and where people see you now is I saw the whole time. Like you said, you say, I love saying it, chop, 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 chop it. It is work yeah. and you never would give up. But people, you just can't give up. If you have a dream, you can't ever give up or you'll never achieve For that, sure. You know, for sure. And I will tell you, I don't know if I've ever told this story on this podcast before or to anybody But it was so crazy because I got some really great advice from somebody. And he said to me, he said, if you're going to move to another city like Los Angeles, you got to A, be prepared to eat ramen noodles. You got to be prepared to hustle. You got to be prepared to get your ass on the street. You got to be prepared to take jobs that you never thought in a million years that you would take. But the minute you get to that location, not only do you need a vision for this is what I want, you also need a plan for if this doesn't work out, at what point do I stop? 
How do I get back? And how do I put my, how do I set that boundary for myself? So I put $1,500 under my mattress, still got that $1,500 somewhere in that closet. And I keep it just in case, if worst case scenario, I can pick up that $1,500, get my ass in my car and drive straight down I-10 and get back to Louisiana. Did you ever have that moment where you were like, all right, if it doesn't work out here, then I'm going to have plan B. Did you have a plan B? Yeah, no, you know, and, and Justin, when I did it, I was just out of college, right? And so I didn't have a plan B, but I didn't have to, right? I mean, I was 22 years old going on this journey, right? And yeah. so, so, you know, I mean, it's just like if, if, if the world went to hell in a handbasket, look, I, I knew I could work in a refinery or I could go uh, uh, commercial fish in Alaska. I knew I'd be all right. Other people, it's, uh, it's harder because i got a family, right? And so their risk tolerance is going to be way lower when you got – you know, when you got to support a family and do it. But for me, no, I, for me, it's kind of like the old adage in the military. They'd say like, put, you know, bring the soldiers to the beach and burn the ships because yeah. you're pretty determined to win the battle. That's what I had to do for myself. I was like, there ain't no ba- backup plan. You're going at this thing, not going to give up. It's just different in my way. I love that 1500 bucks that you say, because it's symbolic for you. Right? It reminds you of what it was like when you needed that 1500 just to make sure Ooh. you could get through. That's pretty cool. I still have the $1,500 and <laughs> I was this close from using it one time. And I said, one more week, I'm going to do it one more week. I'm going to do it one more week. And I ended up meeting Kyle Richards and it changed the trajectory of my life. But if I would have hit escape when it was getting hard and I was eating, you know, pre-made salads and I was cutting one salad into four to make sure I had breakfast, lunch and dinner and a snack, I'm just happy I didn't give up. I'm also happy that I didn't have a safety net because now I know what it feels like to be on the ropes. And when you know what it feels like to be on the ropes, everything else seems trivial. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. If you had the if you had the connections and you had your parents and money and you just walked right into it, you never would have that appreciation. You wouldn't have that empathy, and you wouldn't know what it really feels like, right? You'd be a whole yeah. different person. Yeah. My, my greatest gift was that it was so hard to start canes. I learned more through that than I have anything else in life. By the way, that is the lesson for today: knowing that you know how hard it is. You know what I mean? That you right. have that experience and. It's crazy because I always say we had this conversation on Daily Pop of would you get your kids a participation trophy? You know, if your kid came in fifth, would you buy your kid a participation trophy? There was a there was a couple that was fighting over the whole thing. And my answer was no, because the feeling of not having one, you never want to go back there. It's going to push you to go to that. Yeah, so it would motivate you to never have that feeling again. That's what not having a trophy was for me. And my mother didn't give a she was like, hell to the no. no. The participation trophy. Keep that over there. You know, she didn't give me much, but she worked two jobs. My mother never could have been on food stamps and could have relied on the government. She refused to do it. Not that she thought it was wrong. She just knew that she was capable and that she never wanted us to ever give up or say, I'm throwing in the towel and I'm just going to take assistance. And I, yeah. I don't think government assistance is terrible i don't i don't think that at all i think but people she, some she people was need capable it capable and knew it so she was going to show that she could take care of herself and take yeah care of herself, right i look up to that and you know my mother doesn't make much money but damn she taught me how to work she wasn't scared of a job absolutely you know uh meeting people and successful people is uh so much of it goes back to what they 
learn from somebody. And most of the time it was either one or both their parents. It was like, I learned that ethic. Look, the talking to Nelly, Nelly helped me out with the St. Louis episode. He's a friend, but he talks about his mother and how hard yeah. she worked because look, look, Nelly, he works, man. He works hard. Works. He does and done. He's 20 years after country grammar now, but he's just keeps going and, and, and building and going. And I said, where do you get your work ethic? So from my mother. And that she worked and she worked in fast food and worked in these different things. She said she always provided, always worked. And she showed us that work ethic. And he's like, it just never left me. But that's that's just one example of thousands I've met that have. Yeah. They didn't have parents that they resonate with or not good parents. There's always some mentor that that taught them that work ethic that you look up to. Then you have that feeling of self-worth that you worked hard for this. You know, it's it's, that's for sure. You got to find somebody. You got to find somebody who's walking the path that you want to walk and you got to walk right behind them. Yeah. And it's it's so crazy. I was laughing the other day. I actually sent this to Gwen. I was like, why is Snoop Dogg working like he's in bankruptcy? Like <laughs> he's on every commercial. He's going on tour. He's doing a show with Martha Stewart. He's like doing this show and this one and this one and producing and he could sit back and retire, yet this man is continuously hustling and sharing his knowledge of what he knows about the music game and getting out of the hood and recreating your life with people on The Voice. That is crazy. Yeah, it's awesome, man. And that's why I like him so much. Why I like you, I like him. I like to hang around people that I look up to and respect because it makes me toe the mark myself. Right. I'm like, I want to be yeah. like, so like when Snoop and I get together, like people know him as a, as an entertainer, right. Cause that's how they would see that side of, I know him as a father, a grandfather, this stuff we talk about. He's like taking the grandson yeah. to go and get candy, but he wants to sit up in the seat, but you can't, you got to keep your seatbelt on. I mean, this is stuff we talk about. We talk about stuff we do in the community. Then we talk about business. Right. And so all the things yeah. he's going and it's exciting. It's creating, it's building. We talked about his, he has new, album just dropped man it's killer right and it's just crazy stuff you know and it's great and then things he's doing for the community of inglewood we're gonna put canes right down in inglewood right down it's gonna be really showcase canes right down from the snooper market right across from sofi we're gonna do stuff in the super bowl together all this stuff but he's just building growing doing just recently shooting a movie you can see that on uh social media i can't say what it is but you know he's like constantly building and growing because people that create want to keep creating right he just started yeah. happy, man he's just getting warmed up damn <laughs> what do you see canes raising canes in five years and where do you see restaurant recovery in five years well canes so we're we got gotten to the point where we can open about a hundred a year quality restaurants which is really exciting right i never wanted to over yeah Grow it, grow too quick, not have quality. So that's really exciting for me and doing that domestically. And in the next five years, we'll pick out a couple more international places to grow. Could be Asia, could be uh, could be Europe, uh, could be both. And so I, I think we're going to start working on that to do that right. Restaurant recovery, you know, I don't know because I did it as a COVID response, you know, and, and I, I was like, we're going to do 10 episodes and we're going to do 10 markets where we had canes so we can have our crew come help out. But, you know, I started thinking about just for COVID and then um, man, it's so hard doing that and running the business. Right. But yeah, then it's always going to be a hurricane. There's always going to yes. be a fire. There's always going to be something, a flood that happens, something that people need help with. So I'm considering maybe doing doing um, other uh, seasons. We'll see. Yes. We'll see. Yes. No, no, no. You got to do it. You got to do it. But you have to do it like, you know, like Survivor started and then it was like Survivor Amazon, Survivor. Blah, blah. You have to do restaurant recovery and you got to put it around something that's happening. You know what I mean? Like one year, do it for people who minorities or one year you do it for the earthquake victims for another year. You do it internationally. Like, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. this show could stick around for so long because 
every business tells a story and every story is different. Yeah, you're right. You're so right. And I think what's the ultimate power of the show is, is to show people what small business owners go through and then you will shop there more, spend your dollars there more. Look, when the family owned restaurants or family owned businesses, the hardware store, whatever, when they go out of business, they generally get replaced by a high rise or a chain. And we don't yeah. need any more of those. When you lose these cultural bearers in your neighborhood, they never come back. Right. And so, look, I'm a chain. I love you to eat Raisin Cane's. But the next time you're hungry, think about, wait, I should go to that family owned restaurant in my neighborhood that I know I love. I need to make an effort to do that because they don't make a lot of money. And if they go away, they're never coming back. You know, like, yeah. you need to go to big box, the hardware stores for certain things. But if you're going to get normal things, you don't need anything special. Go to that local hardware store. I mean, yeah. our, our country's changing. Us chains, look, look, man, I got large ad budget budgets. My advertising budget's huge. I got big, shiny buildings that stand out. That neighborhood restaurant doesn't have that advantage. They're tucked away. They have to be more destination. But we have to think of that in our head, support small business. It's a backbone of our, our economy and a lot of creative diverse thought that we need out there. Your CFO is calling. He said, can you please stop telling people to not eat at <laughs> canes? <laughs> and that's why we love this man. You have been so great. This is one of my favorite Just the Sips. Thank you for coming here. I know this is like out of your realm. I know you have <laughs> other to do, like run 575 stores around the world. Tell people where they can find you on social. Uh, at Todd Graves, I got an Instagram. I got like 300,000 followers for an old man. That's not too bad. Um, uh, at Raising Kings, obviously, at, at Todd Graves. Uh, I don't know, Justin, you know better than I do. You guys, follow Todd Graves. Check out Restaurant Recovery on Discovery+. Plus. It is worth the money. You will not regret it. And you will go down a rabbit hole. So have that tissue ready, and I'll see you guys next Wednesday on Just a Sip. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this. You guys, love you. Peace, Greece. Peace and Greece. What is peace and Greece? <laughs> no peace and chicken grease. Yeah, peace and chicken grease. <laughs>